0: Thank you, Sherry, for opening God's word for us. The prophet Isaiah speaking to us about the servant of the Lord, one that will bring justice, will bring light out of darkness. I I love that second half of verse four. And when he teaches, the islands will put in their hope. Anybody need to go to an island right now and just take a deep breath? But even the farthest ends of the earth or remote places will put their hope because of who Jesus is. And then it concludes, see, the former things have taken place and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. I announce them to you. Mark's gospel, as we take a step week two into it, is the shortest and the sharpest of the earliest stories about Jesus. Many think Mark's gospels may have been the very first gospel written, and it certainly, as some authors say, have the zip and punch of a quick story that's meant to grab you by the collar and make you face the truth about Jesus, about God, about ourselves. There is this sense of urgency in the Gospel of Mark. As Pastor Curtis said last week, the word that we might translate immediately is used 41 times, especially in the first couple chapters. Immediately, and we'll see that today in just a minute. Early in chapter one, the main theme of Jesus's ministry is articulated as we saw last week, God's kingdom is arriving. The kingdom of God is at hand. Something momentous is about to happen. Be alert, people. As some people say, the train is about to leave the station. Hold on. <laughs> I want you to take a look at a, a quote um, this morning from Dr. Paul Rees it says the gospel is neither a discussion nor a debate. It's what? It's an announcement. We're to get going. God's kingdom is here. Let's go, people. It's an announcement after many, many years of God's silence to his people. In in the sermon study group I connected with this week, we were kind of chuckling last week as some people were still trying to figure out Pastor Curtis's reference to the Italian prophet Malachi last week. (laughs) Still... And so we all all discovered together that he was referring to Malachi, the prophet Malachi, otherwise known as Malachi. (laughs) And yet in all seriousness, that brought to mind, thus saith the Lord out of Malachi's mouth was the last words that God's people heard from the Lord for between four and five hundred years. God was silent. There was no, thus saith the Lord, for four to five hundred years. Until God's prophet, John the Baptist, breaks on the scene and says, Prepare the way of the Lord. He Began to proclaim that the kingdom of God is alive and well. God had not disappeared. God is not dead. God is alive and his kingdom is coming near. It's not a place. But an inbreaking reality of his presence... In the world, and so we need to, friends, to thank God for who Jesus is and the ways, even today, He announces His kingdom to the world, to you and to me. The kingdom of God is coming near, the kingdom of God is making itself felt, but it has not fully arrived yet. And until Jesus comes again, friends, it is not fully alive. But the living God, friends, is on the move. Even today, I know if you read enough newspapers or watch enough cable news or get out your phones, you're thinking, is God really on the move? Is God's kingdom coming nearer and nearer? I love how the book of Revelation ends. Yes, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And yet, I think the gospel of Mark wants us to be ready. It's an announcement. It's not to be debated who Jesus is or what the gospel is. The gospel is good news. It's here for you and me even on September 18th, 2022. And so today, I want you to take a look at what we're going to cover today in our message time today. Um, If you want to put that slide up, Ben. Ben. Um, we're we're going to look at um, the gospel of Mark. And we're going to see and experience, I think, Jesus' authority. He has authority in four areas. Announcing God's good news. Authority in calling disciples. Uh, authority in spiritual deliverance. And authority in physical healing. And all this happened day one of his ministry. And people started to scratch their heads and say, who is is this person? And where does he get such authority? You know, we wrestle with authority, don't we? I learned that 235 years ago, yesterday, the U.S. Constitution was signed. 235 years ago. And boy, do we love to debate the Constitution, don't we? 173 years ago, Harriet Tubman escapes from slavery for the first time in 1849, that infamous 400-mile freedom trail where authority on God's people, a certain people of God, was misused and abused. Harriet Tubman, 173 years ago, escaped slavery and led others to freedom into Canada. And then even just this week, I wrestled with authority. After coming out of a a movie, I had one of these on my windshield. (laughs) Apparently, you can't back into a parking space in Glendale to watch a movie. You have to pull straight in. (laughs) It was an expensive movie. And I ask, as you may do sometimes, who has the authority to write these tickets? Well, somebody does. They're just doing their job, right, based on an ordinance that was passed and a sign that I obviously missed that said, head-in only parking. (laughs) We wrestle with authority. And so this morning, I invite you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark chapter 1, and we'll begin reading. We'll begin reading through several verses. And I want you to think about and experience Jesus' authority in the midst of Mark's theme of God's kingdom is near. It's now. Don't fall asleep. Let's get to it. And so, God, as we open your word this morning... We pray that your spirit would speak your living authority into our lives. May we be humbled before you as men and women, as children of God. Help us to realize that your kingdom is coming, your kingdom is near, and you want us to play a part in word and in deed or actions to bear witness to your kingdom. Listen to God's word, friends. Verse 14, after John was put in prison, so in other words, Mark is telling us John the Baptist's ministry is coming to an end, he'll go into more details later about that, and Jesus' ministry is beginning. As John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near, repent And believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you to fish for people at once. They left their nets And followed him. When he had gone a little bit farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with hired men and followed him. So all of a sudden, we get this idea of Jesus has the authority to not only proclaim and preach God's word, but to call disciples. Immediately, at once, they left. Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John, all brothers, following Jesus. They were just fishing. The next thing they're involved in is a grand adventure. Amen? <laughs> a grand adventure. A Sunday school teacher asked, Johnny, do you think Noah did a lot of fishing when he was on the ark? No, replied Johnny, how could he? He just had two worms. (laughs) You can't use the two worm excuse, friends. (laughs) And neither could these four men, two pairs of brothers. Who knows how many generations in the family that what did they do? They fished. That's what they did day in and day out. And yet God called them out of what was familiar, what of might have been a family legacy, and they thought they were going to pass it on to their sons. Immediately, they dropped their nets and followed Jesus. Verse 21. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. Here's this authority once again, friends. What's Jesus have the authority to do? To teach, to preach, to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim that God's kingdom is coming. That, friends, above all, is Jesus' primary mission, is to proclaim the good news of the law. Jesus went into the synagogue and began to what? Teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man possessed by an impure spirit, cried out, "Why do you want, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Even that impure spirit, that demon, knew who Jesus was in his humanity, and he knew who Jesus was in his divinity. Jesus of Nazareth and the Holy One of God. Fascinating. Freaky too, right? Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching? And with what? And with authority. They're recognizing, where is this authority coming from? He even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Verse 29, Jesus' authority will continue in different areas, as we'll see. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, helped her up. The fever left her, and I might put in parentheses what? Immediately. And she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick And the demon possessed the whole town, gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was, as we saw earlier. And it wasn't time yet, it wasn't time yet for him to be fully revealed to all. Friends, Jesus can teach with authority, unlike other people, and even demons must obey him. All this is related to being the Son of God. How does Mark begin his gospel? The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, what? The Son of God. Verse 11, and the voice came down from heaven, You are my son, whom I love with you. I am well pleased. This authority, this ministry that God is directing and calling Jesus to, comes with an authority of who Jesus is. Is. Yet Mark never discloses Jesus being given such authority and power. He simply has it because of who he is. And then again, I think about Simon Peter and Andrew, brothers, James and John, Also, two brothers, how many generations, as I mentioned, as a fishing family? And that was immediately interrupted that day. Leave everything you know. The usual teachers, priests and scribes, the literate ones, along with the Pharisees, the self-appointed, scrupulous guardians of the Jewish ancestral traditions, did not teach like Jesus did on day one of his ministry. How did they teach? They always said, as Moses said. How did they teach? As Rabbi so-and-so said. Is this the way Jesus taught? Jesus spoke with a quiet and compelling authority all of his own. And with that same authority, he spoke words, as we saw, of healing and spiritual deliverance. So whether it was shrieking demons, a woman with a fever, or simply whatever diseases people happen to suffer from, Jesus dealt with them all with the same gentle but deeply effective what? Authority. Authority from God because he is the Son of God. We're going to jump ahead to chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, as we close today. Another authority of calling a disciple. And as we'll see in our closing minutes together, this isn't any ordinary person or any ordinary disciple. Once again, Jesus went Out beside the lake, a large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. There again is this elevation, elevation of Jesus' teaching, preaching, proclaiming ministry of the gospel. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this Jesus said to them it is not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick i have not come to call the righteous but the sinners Levi later became Matthew the disciples were fisher men right the disciples we've encountered earlier what did they do for a living They fished. These very men may have paid taxes to Levi for years. Can you imagine that? How would they feel when Jesus called Levi? What in the world was Jesus doing? Levi collected taxes for the Roman puppet government the Jews detested so much. He worked for Herod, someone who thought of himself as king of the Jews. So for Jesus to feast with people like Levi people, known locally as sinners, an easy label to stick on those who didn't conform to the strict religious guidelines of the temple, right? It was simply outrageous that Levi would get the call from the bullpen. Why did Jesus do this? This call narrative is different in that Levi, as I just said, is not fishing for a living, but a despised tax collector. The scribes regarded this move by Jesus as scandalous. Scandalous. The fact that so many outcasts also had gathered around to want to hang out with Jesus in a third space, let's say. Gathered in one place reveals something of the scope of the scandal. The scribes were beyond mad. The scribes would say that tax collectors and sinners are morally unclean, just as those with leprosy are what? Ritually or physically unclean. Therefore, they conclude that eating with morally unclean people will make Jesus ritually unclean. And therefore, he has no business teaching anywhere, especially in the synagogue, in the temple. But Jesus says what? He is a spiritual doctor. I came not to call the righteous, but who? Sinners. Jesus constantly turns conventional categories upside down. The central point in all the controversies we just dabbled at briefly this morning, it all boils down to one word. What do you think that word is? Authority. Absolutely right. It all boils down to authority. Jim Marshall was a gifted defensive end for the Minnesota Vikings in the National Football League. Unfortunately, he is mainly known for an infamous mistake. The opposing team fumbled the ball. He picked it up and ran all the way to the end zone. He thought he had scored a touchdown for his team. The problem is is that he ran the wrong way. (laughs) Instead of scoring six points for his team, he gave the opposing team two points. And I think we can relate the scribes, friends, to the Jim Marshalls of Jesus' day. They think they are close to scoring a touchdown and getting into the kingdom of God. They think they are further ahead than anyone else. Jesus is trying to help them see that they are actually running the wrong. The people in Jesus' day who seemed to be the most attracted to Jesus were those who knew they were sinful, knew they needed a savior, were comfortable with Jesus' authority, welcomed his gentle presence, physically, spiritually, and emotionally being healed. The people who seemed most repulsed by Jesus were the respectable religious elite. And I wonder, friends, if we in the church have sometimes reversed that in our history. The respectable religious elite are often the most comfortable in church. The down and out can often feel the most uncomfortable in church. Why is that? They may believe that going to church would just make them feel worse. The church of Jesus, friends, the church here at Good Shepherd, should herald the heart of Jesus longing to receive sinners into Jesus' family. This is his church, not ours. Amen? Amen. Let's rest in his authority. Let's really think about what it means to invite all people to grow into a Christ-centered life in God's family all people, those who may seem to have it together, and those who are just so honest saying, I'm struggling, I'm messed up, I'm down and out, invite all people into what? A Christ-centered life in God's family. I hope that you can experience Jesus' authority in your own life, I think Mark is trying to say this is such an important message even for each of us here and online today that God's kingdom is coming. God's kingdom is drawing near. Jesus has the authority to preach and teach and proclaim that gospel, to set captives free. Even the islands will hear of this good news. How are you to play a part as Jesus calls you? As we sing this last song together, who you say that I am, only Jesus can call you to be a child of God. Let's rest in that. Let's believe that. Let's sing that together. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you have the authority not to oppress or to limit, but to set free, to redeem, to forgive, to guide and direct And I pray that not only our ears would hear this morning, but our hearts, our souls would hear that we are children of God because of you. This we pray in your wonderful and powerful name. And God's people say...